0: tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate every other thursday politics to the chips get up on this way. now tell me what's to talk about because we the only thing to talk about how you keep reality in check just keep it real rap and don't gossip with the facts we're gonna skip past all the pleasantries and get right to it Rudy Gobert single-handedly signed the worst contract in the history of sports. Period. $205 million, basically a super max for a player who is one-dimensional as one-dimensional comes. He's not even that good of a defender. He's not an offensive threat on the floor. All right, you want to say oh, he's, he's one of the best rim protectors in the game. So you mean to tell me that being one of the best, a tall, best rim protector in the game is worth $205 million, essentially a supermax? If that's the case, then Draymond Green should feel robbed because Draymond Green approximated everything Rudy Gobert did on the floor and he's a better perimeter defender, he's a better help defender, and he only got 82 in the the Supermax era. How the hell does Rudy Gobert get $205 million? The name of this episode is Gifts and Grinches, right? This guy single-handedly got a gift while also being a Grinch. How the hell does he rob the NBA this way? Robs the Utah Jazz this way? The Utah Jazz, I'm coming to y'all now. You guys have broke the NBA spending market because now every rim-protecting big man is gonna be looking for $205 million. Let him just just so happen to get a defensive player of the year. That means that he's gonna be looking at the rest of the league like, y'all fools better pay me. You saw Rudy just got, I'm damn sure not taking less than that. Two hundred and five million dollars. If, (laughs) oh my goodness, if I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm on the first thing smoking out of Utah, because you can't win a chip with a two hundred and five million dollar albatross on your roster. You see, I keep repeating that dollar figure because it's extremely ridiculous to me that this player, who you can't really use in a half-court offense, you, you you can't call a clear out for him to get you a bucket late in the game. You can't do anything besides ask him to protect the rim. You can't switch him onto a guard because he's barbecue chicken. You can't really do much with this guy is getting $205 million. There is no amnesty, people. There is no way to get out of this contract besides using the stretch provision. And even with the stretch provision, you're still on the books until the life of the contract is clear. Donovan, get out of Utah right now. They're they're gonna proceed to waste your time. You are now running the second round treadmill. I don't even care about what Rudy did during COVID. That's irrelevant. We're not even talking about that. He paid his penance for that. But to turn around and get two hundred and five million dollars to be a rim protector is beyond me. Now there's a segment of people who are gonna say, "Jav, why why you watching this man? Pockets? You pocket watching, dog?" let let that man get his paper absolutely you're right get your paper Rudy you got it I it doesn't matter what I say you already signed the contract but I'm thinking about NBA business this contract is horrible this contract is horrible on so many levels again Dwight Howard played on a non-guaranteed contract and was one of the better defenders on a championship team he proceeded to then sign for you know a little above the non-guaranteed salary he had from the Lakers last season with the Philadelphia 76ers and he can do everything Rudy Gobert can do in some cases better and he's not getting 205 million dollars <laughs> Anthony Davis is 10 times the player 10 times 20 times the player Rudy Gobert is he got 190 Rudy Gobert got 205 Million dollars to be a rim protector and to waste Donovan Mitchell's time and waste Donovan Mitchell's prime. Donovan, listen to me, brother. Get out of Utah right now. What what Utah thought they're gonna take the Lakers model? Look, we're willing to spend 205 million dollars on Rudy Gobert. We will spend that bread to win the championship. What's going to happen when the owner cries broke because he has to pay both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? There's not much mo- there's not going to be enough money generated by that Utah franchise to go around to go into the tax and pay the luxury tax fees to to be good. They're not in Silicon Valley. They're not in a big market. They're not making deep playoff runs to 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 create more revenue to pay these players. This is a terrible contract. This is bad business for for the league. It's it's super bad business for the Utah Jazz. It's bad business for the big man market because, jeez, I I can't wait for the next big to come out and say, I want 250, whatever the Supermax is at that time. Come on now. Come on. LeBron never even got a contract that the life of the contract was $200 Look at the people he's standing next to. Rudy Gobert belongs next to any of those. Let me ask y'all NBA fans this right now before I move on. Does Rudy Gobert belong next to any of the other NBA players who signed for $200 million? If you can't answer that question honestly, you don't deserve to comment on this post. You don't deserve to talk to me about basketball. You don't deserve to talk to me about sports, period. This is the worst contract in the history, the the entirety of sports. Now let's shift gears to a more sensible contract, a gift. No Grinches here, right? Kyle Kuzma. A three-year, $40 million extension. Super team-friendly deal. I'm not mad at this at all. You know, maybe Kyle, if he would have played a little bit better, could have commanded a, a higher dollar figure. But think about what Kyle Kuzma does on the floor and what Rudy Gobert does on the floor. One player is getting 205 the other guy's getting 40 Come on. <laughs> Come on now. But for Kyle, this is a proven deal. He's still young, you know. You know, he, he's, he's not a one-and-done. I think he played about three or four years at Utah, so he's getting up there as far as NBA lifetime is concerned. If if this now, if I want to think about it, this is Kyle Kuzma's, maybe his fourth year in the league, yeah? Yeah, two years with Zoe. He's now entering his third year with LeBron. Yeah, this is year four, for him. I had to do some math on the air. I don't care. I ain't ashamed of it. So... He's getting up there. Kyle is pushing about 25, 26, which means he took the short-term deal so that by the time he spins back around 28, right, he could get an even bigger deal based on the quality of work from Kyle. But I like this deal for the Lakers because it allows flexibility. You know, there was a lot of people, we talk about this and I'm beating this drum again, there were a lot of people who questioned the acumen of Rob Palenka. And Rob Palenka Whatever the grade is, higher than A plus, Rob Polinka has achieved that. This contract is player friendly, and it ain't like he's playing for pennies now. He's getting a little over what, a little over eleven million per, a little over twelve million per, a little over thirteen million per. That's not bad for Kyle Kuzma, all things considered. But when it comes to the Lakers deciding if it's not working out, this is a contract that you can fold into a trade. ...for an even better piece when you want to put a certain package together for a wing player down the road. Because again, it's all about lining players up with Anthony Davis. And if Kyle Kuz was not part of the solution to playing next to Anthony Davis then he'll be able to be locked into a trade because the dollar figure makes sense and it's just expensive enough to make the contracts match in his supermax era so now if you want to add in a kyle kuzma and his nearly 13 mil per with another player and another player like a three for one scenario now you have the dollar amounts matched up to do so you know or kcp who has a contract that's team friendly as well but the dollar figures add up just enough for a package there you have it you see where i'm going with this I'm not mad at Kyle Kuzma. Right around Christmas time, he gets a nice gift, an extension, an opportunity to, to play for a team that's going to be contended for a championship. Let's call it what it is. Anthony Davis, LeBron Jays, point blank, period. The Lakers are the favorites. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle, if anything, Kyle Kuzma, he has found a way from the time he's coming to the league to be at the right place at the right time. And every now and again, he rises above being that player at the right place at the right time. Get your money, Kyle. Again, Rudy, get your money too, but it's a disgusting amount of money for a super limited player. And I gotta talk about that for a second. It's a lot of limited players in the NBA getting big time money. You know, some people will say that this is the most, you know, skilled time in in, in league history. It's a lot of players who can do a lot of things on the basketball floor. And that's 100% correct. There's there's no doubt in that. But then I see there's a lot of other players getting a lot of coin and they don't even check a lot of the basic boxes that most NBA players need to be on the floor. I got a problem with that, bro. I got a big problem with that. Again, I, I talked about like a Rudy Gay limited, you know, everyone's favorite Russell Westbrook. He can't shoot the three in the three ball era. And y'all hold them up. Look at his stats. Look at his stats. But well, why are we not looking at defensive schemes in the playoffs where they're daring Russell Westbrook to shoot the ball? They're not giving him clear driving lanes. You know? And there's a there's a slew of other players around the league. You know, even like a Zion Williamson. Super athlete. Super, super athlete. Cool. But there's going to come a time where teams are going to ask Zion to be more than a super athlete. And will he be able to do so? There's did there, you know... You hold it against these players who are a lot more polished and say, oh, they don't have the wow factor, but they play the game better. Why are we not holding up these players? Why are we holding up players who do one thing really well, and in the playoffs, they get negated because they can't do certain things well? Like, what's going on here? So, for me, I guess I'm getting into that space where I'm becoming the angry old head, and I'm like, I want to see more skill. This is what I was saying. I want the handshake in to come back into the league, because I believe that... With a little bit more hand checking, it forces players to get even deeper into their bag, or in some cases, it forces players to have a bag, not one or two moves that they can get away with because if you breathe on them, a foul is called. A lot of players in the NBA today are getting away with murder. It's gonna be a certain segment of you NBA fans who disagree, but there's also gonna be an even larger segment who watch the game the way I watch the game, and they're gonna—they know exactly what I'm talking about. Like this guy, if you deem up a certain type of way, pause—he's—he's he's barbecue. He, he can't get around to the defender. He relies on the foul calls. He rely—he relies on a space on the floor to be as good as he is. You know, it's ridiculous. Even a player like Brandon Ingram not getting his flowers because his game doesn't wow you. But when it comes to doing everything on the basketball floor, you can't find a flaw in Brandon Ingram's game. But let's talk about, oh, oh, Kyle Kuzma. and, And there was a time when Kyle Kuzma was supposedly better than Brandon Ingram. And there was never a time on earth that Kyle Kuzma was better than Brandon Ingram. The game was always there. Every facet of the game, you want the mid post, the high post, the post, the three-point shot, the defense, it's all there. Ball handling is all there. IQ is all there. But certain people in this microwave era want that wow factor or a loud factor that they'll negate the fact that you need a certain toolkit to be good. At the end of the day in the NBA... There's nobody winning championships without that toolkit. As much as your favorites are your favorites, look at the NBA Finals. Look who gets there. Look why they get there. And then come talk to me. I'm tired of y'all wrong fools trying to have conversations with me. You're wrong. Point blank. Another person who might be considered a Grinch or a gift, depending on who you ask, and I won't spend too much time on it because I got to go to a different sport, is Kyrie Irving you know there was a lot of talk about the saging situation and you know this guy is so weird i'm in group chats he's such a weirdo he's such a weirdo no one called phil jackson a weirdo back in the day he was high chief triangle (laughs) he had unique tactics but they understood that it worked they called this man the zen master for a reason not because he was a weirdo, but because he had his own way of doing things. Imagine in 2020, we've come so far in, in this world to now being different is considered a crime. Facts. You can't deny that. That's why I hit the facts button. If you want anything outside of the norm by the, by the general public's opinion, you are considered weird. Facts. I don't stand with that. Kyrie's on his own time. Kyrie views the world a certain type of way. Kyrie has decided that I'm going to do things my way because obviously you guys don't care for me anyway. So why should I try to work twice as hard for you to like me? Because at the end of the day, Kyrie knows I know the world knows. If Kyrie goes out there and balls out the way we know he's capable of balling out, wins a championship for the Brooklyn Nets, The same people who talked out of the size of their mouth towards Kyrie will be the first ones in line to hold him up. Rest in peace, Kobe, but we've seen seen it with Kobe. Even before he passed away, a lot of people who talked crazy about Kobe never gave Kobe his flowers. All of a sudden, was throwing flowers at his feet in droves. It's a media game. That's why Kyrie called these people pawns because they are part of the system that positions these players in certain ways for media consumption. You're doing what you're told to do by your bosses, therefore your pawns. A lot of you people want Yaran to be offended without using your brains to understand what he was saying. The media heads are telling the media types, we need this person to be positioned this way. So anytime that you report on this play, you frame it this way. We're gonna control the public opinion of this player by way by the way of we reporting them. The people who write the articles and re- or do the podcasts or, or do the TV media, they know that what they're re- reporting on isn't hundred percent accurate, but they're doing a job. Therefore, they're pawns. Okay. That's what he was trying to say. This is why Kyrie has an issue with the media. Now you got regular fans calling him weird and and, and bashing him and saying all kinds of things about him. But then when he went to Boston, it was a love affair. This horrible teammate. They love to see Kyrie. It was, I'm talking about not no regular daps, hugs, players seeking him out. It was a reunion of sorts. And when I told NBA fans, the issue wasn't Kyrie. The issue was Kyrie being fed up with the likes of Terry Rozier and and a head coach and Brad Stevens not being a grown man enough to control his locker room. (laughs) Brad Stevens can't face these players face-to-face and and stand on his square. And Kyrie did not want to deal with that. No person wants to deal with a weak boss and a bozo teammate or bozo co-worker who thinks they're better than what they actually are in any walk of life. But because it's the NBA fans feel as though it has to be this way and absolutely not you're wrong Kyrie made his way he stepped out of there it doesn't matter what he said in the preseason because he never said he was staying he said if you would have me and based on the actions of the Boston organization from from Danny Ainge to Brad Stevens the the fans to Terry Rozier you did not have him and he left now we move on to the NFL right the new york jets <laughs> you know for the jacksonville jaguars the jets are a gift for the fans of the jets franchise the jets are the grinch that stole christmas they go out there and they win a game that they have no business winning quick aside what is it with these L- with the, with the la rams Losing to both the Giants and Jets in similar fashions where they looked completely disinterested in playing these teams. It's, <laughs> it's actually pretty hilarious when you think about it. That they lost both games in a snoozeworthy fashion. They, they didn't get up for the game and they paid for it. But the Jets <laughs> like, come on now. How, <laughs> how do you guys go out there and win that game? But of course, we gotta go to Adam Gase. Adam Gase is an NFL head coaching trope. He's going to do things his way regardless of how many L's he takes in order to show that when the wins come in, no matter how much of an inopportune time those wins might come in are, that his way works. I told a Jet fan, Greg, a member of the sports hit list and a person who's been on the gray area, I told him off record that you, he said that he doesn't see how the Jets could win a game. And I said, listen, Adam Gase is going to find a way late in the season to win games he has no business winning in an attempt to keep his job. He tried to win the Raider game, and Greg Williams did what was necessary to ensure defeat, and he was fired for his troubles. <laughs> and now in L.A., Adam Gase once again... Did what was necessary to win the game. Pretty strong game plan. Strong defensive game plan. Sam Darnold didn't mess it up. And, and, and I've been trying to warn Jet fans. He's in the media. and He's saying things like, I didn't do right by Sam Darnold. He fell on a sword to the New York media before the season was over. You fans should have saw this coming. He was already trying to turn the corner and curry favor because he doesn't believe that a quarterback is needed. He thinks that he can get it right with Sam Darnold. How did you not see this coming? How did you not see it coming, huh? Now, he wins a game. The Jets will probably win another game before the season's out. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to make it their business to lose out. Facts. They already packed up Gardner Minshew just to have him come back because the the, the backup that was backing him up got hurt. So they were forced to play Gardner. But it's too late for that. It's over with. These These two teams are in a dead heat for the top pick. And, and Lawrence coming out of Clemson. But a part of me feels like Lawrence isn't going to come out. <laughs> Yo, imagine if he doesn't come out. But to the Jets fans, it doesn't matter with the dead heat in the race and all of that. Adam Gates is doing exactly what I thought he would do. Coach up the team late in the season in order to win games and prove to the front office that he is capable of turning this thing around, even if it causes the Jets... Uh, a possible generational talent at the quarterback position i don't understand how jet fans can live and die with this team and i'm a met fan and it, but, but for me i am an apathetic met fan when the Mets are good i'm lit when the Mets lose or do met like things i don't give a damn because it's expected if the Mets if the Mets do what's expected of them i can never be upset about it. However, if they win, it's not expected. So you get like, you get hype. Oh, this is different. Oh, oh, yeah, this is good. Did you put a little extra salt on that? This is delicious. But as soon as they start losing and start making questionable personnel decisions, I fall back. I, I, I might not even watch the game. I'll tune in. Oh, they losing? Cool. I might watch an inning or two, turn the channel. Because I refuse to get emotionally invested in a team that consistently loses and ruins my day. I'm a Giants fan. I, I, y'all yeah, I know my history I got a problem with Dave Gettleman I have a problem with Daniel Jones being a quarterback I have a problem with Odell Beckham being a Brown I have a problem with the rest of the, the personnel decisions they've made as far as building up the offensive side of the ball, Saquon Barkley even being a Giant I have a lot of problems with this organization but I, because of these problems I am not getting worked up about anything Giants related especially the wins especially the losses I'm just taking it in stride. And I'm asking Jet fans to now take heed from me. Don't get too high about the Jets. Don't get too low about the Jets. Be a little apathetic. Take things in stride. If the wins come, be happy. But don't get crazy on the internet. And if they lose, don't get mad because it was expected. I would say 65% of Jet fans expected the Jets to fumble the bag. With this season and be in a position now where they won't even get the top quarterback in the draft. They're not surprised. But to that, to that other 35%, this is the Grinch that stole Christmas. And the irony is the Grinch is green. Man. <laughs> it's, it's really it's really tough to see. And to you Giants fans, because I didn't forget you. To you Giants fans who, who thought you were up after the Seattle game. You know, and you threw rocks. And, you, and now you have proceeded to hide your hand since throwing those rocks. I see you and I'm coming, but I'm waiting for the rest of the season to play out because a lot of things can happen between now and then. But you've been real quiet since this back-to-back loss situation. Oh, Daniel Jones is hurt. Oh, please. Daniel Jones is not a difference maker. Saquon Barkley is not a difference maker. Let's be clear. The Giants are what they are because of Dave Gittleman and the conservative beliefs of Giants brass. And there will always be a team that's also ran with a couple of blip super successful moments because of the conservative beliefs of the brass. They don't want to come to modern football while everyone else has moved forward and and, and decided that they want to play a certain brand. The Giants want to play smash mouth football in 2020. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Come on, son. Let me see if there's anything else that I need to talk about because, you know, with the holiday season and, and the gifts going out and <laughs> the Grinch faces going out. Yeah, the, the, Notre, the Notre Dame fighting Irish are fraud. OK, now, now they get they, they lose the ACC championship game, but somehow are still in the college football playoffs and they have to play Alabama. Come on. Come on. Come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? They're food. They're dead. Okay? Like, they're completely dead. If they couldn't deal with Clemson, a team they beat without their starting quarterback at the curb, and they struggled to beat them and got dragged in the ACC championship game for their trouble, what are they going to do with with Alabama? They're finished. Also, and and I bring this episode to a close here, I am now putting on my Grinch costume and I'm taking a trip down to New Orleans and I hate to do this. I really hate to do this, but... Saints fans, it's time, it's over Drew, now, I hear you, he's rusty, you know, he he missed a lot of time, you know, he needed to get back in his rhythm, I get it, but there's rusty, then there's 15 for 34, with some of these passes that looked terrible, they look like ducks. If anything, Drew Brees has been known for—if if not even like a a cannon of an arm—he always threw a great ball. We didn't even see much of that. Nineteen incompletions against the Chiefs' defense. Now the Chiefs have a solid pass defense, but we've seen—we saw the Raiders carve them up twice. All right. Come on, come on. It's time. Drew Brees, it's been a hell of a run. It's been it's been. I'm a fan. You're my favorite quarterback. This is why it pains me as much to have this Grinch costume on. But Drew, it's over. Saints fans, start preparing yourself for the future. Drew Brees is done as Saints quarterback. Drew Brees is done as an NFL quarterback. He's gonna play out the season, and he might look, you know, better. Because he is a pro and he has the experience, he'll look better against lesser competition, of course. But Drew Brees, as an elite NFL quarterback, as a competent NFL quarterback against elite comp, he's done. In my opinion, Drew Brees needs to retire right now. I know that's not going to happen, but by right now, I'm saying at the end of this season, the 2020 2021 season, Drew Brees, you and your 11 broken ribs and your arm that's fading away, pack it up, King. It was a hell of a run. You're a champion. You're the face of a city. You you, you bounced back from your indiscretions in in the late summer, early fall. We're still here for you, Drew. But as a football player, it is over. Now, with this episode being completed, if you feel a way you disagree with anything I had to say on this episode, holla at your boy, hit me in the comments. Hit hit me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. I'm going to get the YouTube page up and running pretty soon so that I can, you know, take advantage of that market. I have some opinions, and, and the masses need to hear these opinions. But as always, my opinions are my own, and my name is Ray Jarvis. Peace and love. Whether you like it or don't like it, Sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.